this is Mike Lindstedt, president and co-founder of the Nehemiah Project, and you are listening to the Nehemiah Project podcast, where we replace hopelessness with hope. Well, we're back on our podcast series where we're discussing the theology and practical aspects of parenting. And today, Pastor Chad and myself are going to be talking about the shaping influences and the child's development, particularly in the early years of life. The shaping influences are things like the structure of family life, family values, family roles, families, the family's response to failure, the family's history, and how the family does conflict resolution. Yeah. And so those are the six aspects that we mean by shaping influences. And uh, just to remind you, listener, we are utilizing this wonderful book called Shepherding a Child's Heart by Ted Tripp. I would really recommend that you buy this book. Uh, We don't receive any sort of commission. We're not in partnership with uh, the company that produced this book. We're just biblical counselors and Christian men who need help. (laughs) And so uh, Ted Tripp has written this book called Shepherding a Child's Heart. Really encourage you to buy it. It's not very expensive. It's very easy to understand. It's not academic. It's very practical. But that's what we're using as as an assistance here, alongside, of course, the Word of God. And I'd like to read Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6, which really does illuminate the principle that we're going to be having a discussion based around today. It says this, Train up a child according to his way, Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Mm. Train up a child according to his way. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. This highlights the reality and significance of the early years of a child's life and how they affect the later years Mm. of an adult's life. Yeah, and uh, wisdom literature, also just by way of understanding wisdom literature, is it's not a hard and fast promise in right. terms of deterministic. It's just, it is what it is. You know, wisdom literature, this is the way that it will go, but it has a twofold uh, meaning. One, it assumes that you're going to trade up your way, uh, as Deuteronomy 6 talks about, the way of the Lord. You're going to train them up in the way of the Lord in the way they'll go, and they won't depart from it. But also, if you train them up in the way of the world... That's also true, um, and part mm-hmm. of that wisdom is they're probably going to go that way too. Right, right, right. Yeah, Proverbs twenty-eight twenty-six says, "He who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but he who walks wisely will escape." Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one right above it, verse twenty-five says, "An arrogant man stirs up strife, but he who trusts in Yahweh will be enriched." So we want to trust the Word of God. It is enriching for our own soul, and like Chad said. Um, applying these principles to your child's life doesn't guarantee success. That's one of the first things that Pastor Sam and myself talked about a few episodes back uh, mm-hmm. on the theology of parenting. Like, ultimately, what is the goal here? The goal is not to raise uh, moral, you know, children. We're not trying to raise behavior robots. We're trying yeah. to raise Christians. We're trying to right, right. pass on the faith that has been once for all delivered to the saints to the next generation. Mm-hmm. And we know that God is sovereign in salvation, period. Mm-hmm. Um, he is the one who saves, right? I'm even reminded of the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 3 when he's talking about the church and ministry. He says, I watered, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, we need to be faithful as husbands, as fathers mm-hmm. um, in our family lives to sow the seed of the word of God. Right. That's what we got to do. We need to cultivate the fields. We need to sow the seed. When we see weeds growing up, we need to go take care of that, right? When we see lifeless branches mm-hmm. growing off of uh, the little child that is the vine, right? Like the fine dresser does in John 15, we need to go handle those lifeless things, right? Those yeah those things that are not of the Lord that will not produce godly fruit, those things need to go, yeah, right? Yeah, cut them off. Right, and that's just part of being a faithful parent. That's, But that doesn't mm-hmm. guarantee um, salvation for your child. Yeah, it gives them the best chance. For sure. Certainly, and that's our hope and our prayer, but we got to also be fully dependent upon the Lord knowing that he's the one who brings about salvation. Mm-hmm. Um and, and so it's it's not to say that we can't trust in the promises of God or these wisdom scriptures. We should, certainly. But 
everything comes back to the heart. It's about our heart of worship. It's about our dependency upon the Lord. It's about being dependent upon the Lord for the salvation of our children. Yeah. It's about checking our own hearts within, as we're going to talk about these family structures, the, the main thing is the heart behind them and their heart in them for yourself and then cultivating your child's heart through them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not just about the structures themselves. Right, right. right? And one major structure, uh, probably the preeminent structure, is the home, yeah. right? The home. The home. What's going on in the home mm-hmm. is going to dramatically affect how the child grows up. Yeah. And that's really the, the shaping influences that mm-hmm. we're talking about. They, they occur really in the home. Um, you know, whether or not that means that your child experienced something outside the home, and then they bring that back into the home, right? right? The home is the arena for this development, mm-hmm. for these shaping influences yeah. to be shaped <laughs> yeah. for the proper influence, right? That's right. You know, um, there's a lot to think about when it comes to the home, but let's start with, with these sort of uh, parameters, if you will. Because if we're talking about the heart, the question is always, well, what glorifies God, Yeah. right? And so with that in mind, is God a God of order or of chaos? God of order. Right. Um, Hopefully you listening got that one too, right? (laughs) He's a God of order. So then that starts out with the principle of, okay, there needs to be order and discipline and consistency in our home. Then the next question would be, what should be the principles that order our home, Mm -hmm. right? And that comes from the Word of God. And so that's going to help you in terms of of everything that you do. Remember, Paul says in 1 Corinthians uh, uh, 10, 31, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. Mm-hmm. So that's going to help inform with those parameters what's a day-to-day going to look like, what's mealtimes going to look like, what's our discipline going to look like, what's, our, what's going to be our um, rules and regulations on things that are outside the home, such as TV and things mm-hmm. like that coming into our home. What are we going to do with that? Um, what are we going to speak about most? How are we going to spend time together? You start to go out and ask all these detailed questions about every aspect of life with the idea that God's a God of order mm-hmm. and our goal is to glorify God by by doing these things in the order by which he has, he has told us to do. Yeah, absolutely. You can think of your home, and this is coming from the book, yeah. you can think of your home really as kind of the mold Mm-hmm. And the child's life, the concrete being poured into a mold, right? Yeah, yeah. And and so you you wanna you wanna make sure that that structure is there. It's resilient. It's strong. It's going to reinforce the mm-hmm. the ultimate shape that you want. Right. Once you remove the mold, right? Mm-hmm. And once so, in other words, once your children leave the home, yeah. right? You want them to be shaped in a particular way mm-hmm. so that they can withstand sure. the onslaught of yeah. life that is going to come. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, right. and unfortunately, it's coming sooner and sooner now with the advent of the cell phone and the <laughs> smartphone and yeah, that, I mean, the the world is finding its way into our children's lives even in school with some of the horrific things that we're seeing that are being taught there. Mm-hmm. So, parents, this is like this is a this is a non-negotiable, right? Yeah. We gotta, we gotta, fathers. We need to stand up to this call. Mm-hmm. We need to take this call on with with stride, knowing that the Lord is going to provide everything we need to do what He's called us to do. Like mm-hmm. we have to do it, yeah. Because the other side, they're going for your children, mm-hmm. right? So, oh yeah. So this is a very important. I, I would argue, and I'm I'm probably biased because I'm a family pastor, but I would argue mm-hmm. this is probably the most important thing that you could possibly listen to all day. Okay? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> right? This has eternal mm-hmm. significance, right? Yeah. If, if the Lord's blessed you with children, the responsibility is great. Yes. You know. Absolutely. So one of the um, one of the sort of base texts that I also want to bring in this conversation is talking about leading your household well, right? Mm-hmm. And this is coming from First Timothy chapter three, which, if you know what First Timothy chapter three is and its context, it's all about pastoral ministry and deacons. And so, you know, you might go, "Well, that's for pastors. That's not for me." No, 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 no. Yeah. No. This uh, is for all Christians, right? Yeah, yeah. Pastors just need to model what the Christian life is supposed to be, mm-hmm. because someone has to model it, <laughs> right? Yeah. If we don't meet these standards of character, we don't get to do the office of elder. Right. Right. <laughs> right. So, so here it is, First uh, Timothy chapter three. Um, let's see. I'll start at. Let's see. I'll start at verse two. An overseer then must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, sensible, respectable, hospitable, 
able to teach, not addicted to wine or pugnacious, that means, uh, or, or someone who likes to fight or likes conflict, yeah. but considerate, peaceable, and free from the love of money. And here's the, the part I wanted to get to. Leading his own household well, mm-hmm. having his children in submission with all dignity. That's a critical element there. Yeah. But if a man does not know how to lead his, house, his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? Now, that word lead is kind of the, the critical verb there. Um, and, and what it means literally is to stand before. But it's referring to a preset, well-established pattern of character, which provides the needed model to direct others, right? Mm-hmm. So, Dad, you need to model what the Christian life is supposed to be, mm-hmm. or else you're going to be in violation eventually of the commandments that we've talked yeah. about before. Ephesians 6, 4, in Colossians chapter 3, where Paul says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Yeah. Do not irritate them, is yeah. another way you yeah, could translate yeah. it. And we talked about that. How is that going to happen? Right. It's going to happen like this. When you put forward a standard of behavior that you yourself don't model, that's going to irritate your children. Mm-hmm. It's probably going to irritate your wife as well. Yeah, It's going to irritate everybody. Because right? <laughs> yeah, remember, we use the politician example. Yeah, yeah. When politicians tell you, you must do, you must do, like we mm-hmm. saw in COVID, you got to wear a mask. But then we saw some in my home state of California <laughs> not wearing masks. People got upset, right? Yeah, yeah, right. It's, it's the same thing in the home, right? So, yes, this is a command uh, for people considering the office of pastor, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, like Jonathan Edwards said, every home has its own pastor, and that's, that's the right. father. Yeah, that's that's a good point. It, it is important for you to understand, fathers, if, if you're married with children and you're a Christian, you are the shepherd of your home. That's right. You are a church within a church. And our role as pastors and elders is to equip you, to shepherd you, to be able to shepherd your home. Mm-hmm. But Mike and I, if you're in our church, for instance, we're not going to be held accountable to the Lord by how you led your home. Right. You are. Mm-hmm. And our job is to help equip you do that. So I think it's a very good point, Mike. Yeah, and that's why we're doing this podcast, so we can reach more of you um, and help more of you. So getting back now to the shaping influences. So we mm-hmm. talked about the mold, which mm-hmm. is the home, right? Mm-hmm. We talked about the man who should be leading in that home. Now, let's just make a brief sort of aside right here. We do realize that not every family is a traditional nuclear family, right? Absolutely. We do realize yeah. that the unfortunate reality of sin has torn some families apart. Right. So, And, and those are complex issues with... And that's where the church is there to help mm-hmm. uh, with with that assisting in, in those types of families. That's right. So what we're going to do is provide just the traditional structure here. We're going to talk about the traditional family, yeah. and then we'll circle back and maybe Chad, you can speak yeah, to yeah, some yeah. of the single mom, single dad sort sure. of situations that sure. we have. But we need to just put the standard out there first, and right. then we can talk about some of the realities, yeah. which is experiential preaching. You know, like you you mm-hmm. preach the standard, mm-hmm. and then you go, here it is. Now let's see how we can attain. Mm-hmm. It and, and get here, to it, and right? here's the caveats. Right, here's the caveats. Here's how we deal with it. Mm-hmm. So the shaping influences, like I said, there's six of them mentioned in this book, and we'll start with the structure of the family. But before I get there, let me mention this, mm-hmm. that basically the person your child is going to become is the product of two things. This is a quote from the book. It says this, the first is your child's life experience. Mm-hmm. The second is how your child will react to that experience or yeah. interact with that experience, right? Yeah, there's a, a book called The Dynamic Heart that I think we talked about here before, Dr. Pierre. And he talks about when it comes to identity, we have our constructed identity and then our God-given identity. Mm. We all have a constructed identity, which comes from what you're talking about, where we grew up, yeah. how our parents did things, what we experienced in life. Those things shape an idea or identity about who we are and what the world is. Mm -hmm. The goal with discipleship is to align our constructed with our given identity. Here's Mm -hmm. what God says about your life and experience and who you are Mm -hmm. and reconciling those two things together and walking in step with God's given identity. So what you're talking about here uh, from the book, Mike, is is very important and understanding that when your child is small, especially and maybe not a believer yet, you're you're shaping their constructed identity that you're hoping 
says the same thing as the scriptures so that that gives them the best chance to be saved and align with mm-hmm. those things. Yeah, so going back now to the structure of your family life, some of the factors to consider that the book brings out um, are, are really important to understand. And he asks just a bunch of questions here mm-hmm. because it really is going, what, what happened to the parents in their early childhood is going to affect sure. how the family life is structured. Yeah. So here's some questions that, that he asks. He says, how many parents is the child exposed to? Right? So you got one, you got single mom, single yeah, dad situation, yeah. or you got, you know, traditional family. Um, are both parents alive and functioning in the home? Mm-hmm. Are the parenting roles structured, right? Mm-hmm. So does mom do a particular thing? Does dad do a particular thing? Or is there a lot of bleed over and crossover, right? Mm-hmm. Um, are there other children or is family life or- organized around only one child? Mm-hmm. What is the birth order of the children? What are the relationships between the children? How close or distant are they in terms of age, ability, interest, or personality? All, I mean, all these things, he's got more questions, but all these things are factors that we need to consider. And he brings out this example of uh, a couple who, who he calls Sally and her husband. Yeah. They had some problems, and they came in to, for counseling. And the reason why they had some problems is because Sally grew up as an only child, mm-hmm. and she was having trouble accepting the fact that her husband didn't orient his entire life around her and her needs, mm-hmm. right? Like, she didn't get all the focus, mm-hmm. but that's what she was used to, yeah, yeah. and she grew up, yeah, right? Yeah. So, so that bled into the structure of their family life, where she felt like she needs more attention, mm-hmm. she's not getting it, mm-hmm. and so that experience in her early life profoundly affected her own family life and you know you can think about how if they had children he doesn't mention if they do or not how they're gonna how that child's gonna watch mom and dad argue fight right right? and and that's going to shape the way the child is going to view mom and dad Mm -hmm. right and important to that example is okay if that's going on we don't condemn sally what we should say as a husband, we say, okay, what does the word say about mm-hmm. how the attention and <laughs> where you should be seeking and all that? Because you want to, hopefully, if you're, uh, this is for those listening that you're in the process of getting married or thinking about getting married. Mm-hmm. This is why discipleship, this is why your growth and your shaping matters so much yeah. before you have children. You need to be at a place to where you're growing in, in a healthy way mm-hmm. in order to then be able to emulate what's in your own heart. Yeah. I think it's appropriate just to read Colossians three eighteen and 19 here uh, on the subject of wives and husbands. It says mm-hmm. this, wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Now, being subject literally means to put oneself under. Yeah. Right? So you are, the idea in this word is really, a willing subjection or a willing self-subordination to yeah. the husband. And th- the reason for that is, according to Paul, this is fitting in the Lord, which, which means when you put all the different texts from Ephesians and Deuteronomy and Colossians and even Genesis chapter 1 together, here's what that phrase means. The Lord has created a particular order because mm-hmm. he is a God of order. That's right. He's created... Uh, roles, responsibilities, mm-hmm. particular functions for the wife and for the husband. Right. Now, most people listening who have a lot of the culture in their head are going to go, oh, so the wife is supposed to wash all the dishes, clean all the clothes, <laughs> and do it. No, that, that is such an aside, yeah, right? Yeah. That's really, uh, um, in a lot of ways, it shouldn't even matter who does right. those kinds of things. Right. Like, I fold my own clothes, right? Yeah. <laughs> I wash my own dishes. That's, I just do that, right? Yeah, yeah. That has it, nothing to do with being yeah. a man or I a did woman. I dishes this morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? That is, that is a caricature of what the Christian life actually yeah. is. Yeah. But she is to be the helpmate, the helper. Mm-hmm. And so, in some, here's what I also want to say to balance that. In some families, that is the what she can do most to help. Yeah. The husband, right? Mm-hmm. If she doesn't have a job and she stay at home and husband works hard, long hours, maybe the best thing she can do is mm-hmm. to take care of all the household chores. But not every situation is like that. That's right. But what you're talking about is that question of what are the defined roles? The scriptures define the roles. Mm-hmm. How those roles are lived out can have some um, creativity, if yeah. you will. Some leeway, some, some based freedom. On, based on, like for, my, for me, for instance, my wife's great at submitting, and she's—I think she's a very biblical wife. But in our circumstance, she she works a part-time job to to help you know to support me in ministry and everything that we do. 
which means she's not at home 100% of the time. So I want to serve and love my wife and and do some of the chores inside the home as well as I take care of all the out, outside because she's she's helping in a different way, you know. So mm-hmm. that doesn't mean she's not being a good homemaker or anything like that because I do some dishes and, and help with some chores around the house. Right, you know? right. Right, so. so then the next one here has to do with husbands. This is Colossians 3.19. It says, husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. So you have really two words that we need to focus on there, love and embittered. So you have the positive. This is how you're supposed to be towards your wife. You're supposed to be loving towards her, yeah. which is, is the root word agape, which is the love of choice, yeah. right? So this doesn't mean that I will love her if she does what I want her to do. Right if she reciprocates that love in the mm-hmm. particular way that I want her to do that, right. that's not the love of God. That's not the agape love, right? Yeah. This is the love ultimately of Christ. You know, I'll jump over to mm-hmm. Ephesians 5. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church. And here's the key phrase, yeah. gave himself up for her. Yeah, it's a, right? one-way, it's a one-way love emulating that of Christ. Yeah, and, self-sacrificial. And it's empowered by the Holy Spirit and by Christ. You can't do this without being a Christian, by the way. Like that type it's of love. Impossible. It's impossible. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's in the positive. That's how Paul puts it. He says agape, right, or whatever the cognate is there, mm-hmm. love your wives, right? Okay, then he says something negative. Do not be embittered against them. I mean, this, this is a verb, which means to make bitter. Passively, though, it means this slow buildup of anger and resentment towards mm-hmm. her, right? Of, of this attitude of harshness, right? Yeah, my version says do not be harsh with them. Do which, not be harsh with them. Which is the action of bitterness, right? Yes, for sure. Uh, like Let's so. talk about that. Like how mm-hmm. how does that happen? Because this is a slow progressive thing, right? That will mm-hmm. manifest in kind of a explosive reaction. Yeah, there's a lot of ways this can happen. Yeah. One, obviously, the obvious thing is you're both sinners mm-hmm. and not dealing with sin biblically. And, and repentance and forgiveness. Mm-hmm. So that's the main thing. But in the practicalities of how that comes out too is um, not leading well, you know, being being too scared to bring up what needs to be said mm-hmm. and then being mad at her because she's not changing and still doing it. Right, and remember leading <laughs> means providing that, that, yeah. that character model. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah in your own actions as well as in your words, right? Mm-hmm. You, the Bible says that we're to speak, we're to rebuke one another. And as a leader of your home, the reproving and rebuking is part of it, not in a harsh way, in a loving, gentle, mm-hmm. kind way. And also receiving it from your wife as a helper. But when that's not part of your relationship, if we're not being honest about sin, we're not bringing it to the light, right. as First John says, I mean, bitterness is going to grow. It's going to grow. Because yeah. we're all selfish, sinful people. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, selfishness, pride, James 4, why do you war? Why do you fight? Why do you quarrel? Because mm-hmm. you want what you want, mm-hmm. what you want wrongly, you don't ask. Mm-hmm. It's, it's out of pride, not humility. So I think those are the main ways where that bitterness Yeah, sure, grows. that's good. That's good. So we, we are to, to self-sacrificially love our wives, husbands, as Christ loves the church. And we're not to be embittered against them, which I really do like how you brought out the calling out of sin, mm-hmm. right? I mean, go back to Ephesians 5. Um, this is before the, the family context, but it says this. Um, it, <clears throat> it says, don't be partakers with the sons of disobedience, starting at verse seven. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So walk as children of the light. Mm-hmm. For the fruit of that light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. And here's the key phrase for what we're talking about. Do not participate in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Yeah. So, yeah, your wife, if she is um, living in a sinful manner and you're allowing that to occur, like uncontested, right? Yeah. <laughs> like that's a problem. And it's going to uh, really begin to make you embittered towards your wife, particularly if you are someone who is focused on living a holy life. Mm-hmm. Like his holiness and, and wickedness, they don't coexist with yeah. one another. You see? And by the way, that flip that. Same, you know, although we're talking about this passage, the same thing's true of wives towards husbands. Mm-hmm. If, um, if, if you're not reproving in a humble, submissive way, but we're still, you're still called to reprove your husband too as a helper. Yeah. There's a way to go about that. But if you're not, and he's 
not repenting, you're going to grow embittered too. That's right. It's going to do the same thing. And so, yeah, we're still talking about the the, the shaping influences in a child's life, yeah. and the but the structure of the family, this is fundamental yeah, to the whole is. thing, right? Yeah, if you're sitting here listening, like, get back to parenting. We are. Yeah, we are. This is the fundamental. We're talking about the character of the two parents right now, <laughs> exactly. right? Because your character is going to shape their life. Absolutely, because they're going to, as I've always heard, more is caught than taught, and that is so true with so children. So true. They they are seeing your character as being displayed constantly. Mm-hmm. And your character either reinforces your words or contradicts them. Mm-hmm. So if you want them to do what the Word of God says, mm-hmm. then you must be living it out that's or right. you're going to create, um, you're going to provoke them to anger. That's right. And that's a perfect segue into the second shaping influence here, which is family values. Yeah. Fundamentally, at the, 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 the base of this question here or of this, of this topic, family values, is this question. Are the values of your home based on human tradition and the basic principles of this world or on Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. right? Is Jesus at the center of it all, right? As a, as a famous evangelical song likes to chant. Yeah. I'll read a, Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, where this um, question is based on. It says this, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, mm. according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, and not according to Christ. So at the end of the day, family values are going to go one of two ways. They're going to go the world's way or they're going to go the Lord's way, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, again, going back to the heart of the parent, going back to the character of the mom and the dad, those, those, that character is going to be what puts forth these values, mm-hmm. right? If you love the world, if you're selfish, if you, if you want what you want and you want it now, that's going to promote a certain set of values in the home. Yep. And that's going to bleed into your children. So don't be surprised when they start to act just like you're acting. Yeah, right? that's right. Because they already have their own sin nature. They're going yeah. to act sinfully. But if you reinforce that with your own sin, I mean, right. what do you expect? And going back to that principle, don't exacerbate your children. If you try to tell them not to <laughs> yeah. while you do, there's your hypocrisy. That's right. That old saying, which is talking about that worldly influence and foolishness, do as I say, not as I do. That's right. That's the dumbest statement <laughs> in the world. What, what, sin, what does sin make you do? It makes you stupid. Sin right? makes you stupid. That's right. <laughs> so again, on this topic of family values, okay, the question is really where does God fit into your life, right? Is God, is Christ at the center of the family life? Right. That doesn't mean that you guys are like solemn in the home all the time, no. like this caricature of what it means to be a Puritan. You should have a lot of joy and yes. love and happiness. You should home. have fun, yeah. right? But that fun needs to be regulated by the Word of God. Yeah. And and that honestly is true fun. That is true lasting fun and yeah, joy. joy. And you don't have to be ashamed before the Lord for having that kind of fun, right? Yeah. You know, it's like this notion of well, let's go to Vegas and party. Like that's fun or something. You right. Know? Everyone always ends up regretting those things. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I made up uh, with my kids, for instance, I, I like to do made-up games, and they, they still want to do those games. I get a clothes basket, put them in, in the little uh, entryway. It's like raised, and I create a living room basketball. Nice. And it had its own rules, and it just it got wild, and and it's they that's, joy, that's having fun in the home. Like, kids, ha- kids will have fun with a random object yeah. they find in the house. But just having a lot of fun and joy and laughter and and adventure, that's that's godly, mm-hmm. <laughs> by the way. Mm-hmm. So like Mike said, we're not talking about um, being like an Amish person sitting around right. and being somber and all that stuff. Which that's probably not even true of them, so we apologize. Yeah, that's true. Amish Sorry people. if you're an Amish person. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's my caricature, I guess. Right. But... Um, but yeah, what Mike's saying is so true, though. Sin doesn't need to penetrate in order to have excitement, adventure, and love and That's joy right. in the home. That's right. That's the deception. That's that the deception. That sin is yeah. fun. I mean, yeah, sure, you always hear, like, sin was fun for a season, yeah. right? Yeah. But but you don't have that option with your children. I'm no, sorry. No. You know what I mean? God, you just don't have that kind of leeway at all uh-uh. in general. But 
you don't want to be teaching your children that sin is fun for a season, right? Because yeah. they're going to take that and run with it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's just an unfortunate realization for a senator who's now come to understand his sinfulness. Yeah. Right? That's really what that is. Mm-hmm. I want to bring out two more things under this topic of family values that the book brings up. And this one's, I think, really, really important. He, he brings up this example of, you know, if, if you were to ask a child, what's more important to your, to your mom and dad? That the family vase doesn't get broken or that family worship time happens, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of the example that he brings forward. I changed it just slightly. but And if, it, if the kid says, well, what's most important to my mom or dad is that the family vase doesn't fall and break, that's a problem, yeah. right? Because now yeah. the, the, the vase that holds a plant is more important than worshiping God in your house, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So there's, there's all kinds of manifestations of that, right? Sure, absolutely. And obviously, we're not saying who cares about your stuff and breaking stuff, right. but... Once again, this always points back to the heart. And, and what you're committed to shows what you worship and believe. Mm-hmm. And if your commitment is to, like you said, your stuff or rules and regulations, or even though those aren't all bad things, mm-hmm. but if that's your commitment over being committed to the Lord, over shaping your child's heart, over taking those opportunities to really talk through that, there's something off with your heart, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So let's move on to the next one, family roles. And this one we've already kind of talked about, but these are really big and they will shape how your children uh, view the opposite sex or view yeah. mom and dads, right? Um, I know from like my wife, for instance, she grew up in a, in a home that experienced no divorce, that had mm-hmm. pretty traditional, like dad goes to work, mom stays at home. And what did you know it? That's exactly what my wife wanted to do. She yeah. wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. She yeah. loves it, you know, and by the grace of God, we're able to do that. But um, I grew up very differently, you mm-hmm. know, had a divorced home. My mom, you know, did everything for, for a long period of my life, and she got remarried to my stepdad, and they both worked, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, like, I had, when I met Mandy, I had no problems with her, like, working, you know, when I was, <laughs> I was a much yeah. younger in my, under, in my faith than I am now. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I mean, just do whatever you want, babe. It's like... I saw my mom doing, you know, not yeah. whatever she wants in the, you know, moral sense, but she's living life providing, right? Yeah. Out of necessity, she had to do that. So I was much more comfortable with that idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I've grown in the Lord and understood the, the distinct roles that God has created for the wife and for the husband, <clears throat> I've seen the value in, mm-hmm. in abiding by those, you know, if possible, right? Sure. And we're going to talk about the yeah, caveats, caveats but, right. but if it's possible... Um, then I think it should be done, but based on the, what the Word of God teaches and says, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll talk about you know what qualifies possibility, right? Sure. If you live sure. an exorbitant lifestyle, that uh, we, I mean, we may yeah, we may have something to talk about that. Yeah. But but family roles, Chad. Do you have anything else to add to that? I mean, we've already talked about it. It's pretty straightforward. But yeah, I think we've we've hit it, and we'll probably hit some of the things I'm thinking about now in the, in the caveats. Sure, we'll go back to so. that in a second. So then moving on to the next shaping influence in a child's life is really how your family handles conflict, right? Oh. Go ahead. Let's circle back to the roles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Something just hit me. Go. Statistics will show you this. So this is not just a biblical idea. I mean, it's proven out even in the secular world. But children who have parents who spend time together and love one another and they're not the center of the universe they're much healthier Mm. children and one of the things about the roles is also helping the child see what role they play in your relationship with your wife your husband and wife um some of the ways you can do that is this very subtle um my wife and i we put some things in practice like even when the kids were real young um, they'd have floor playtime and we'd sit on the couch. And of course, early on, they want to get up on it. They just, no, you just turn them around. No, mom and dad are, we're having a discussion. You stay there. Now, this is obviously toddler age when they can speak a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's your playtime. This is our time to talk. You know, you're not the center of the universe. And we do that now. After dinner, we dismiss our kids and we take 20 minutes to check in and just talk with us, mm-hmm. you know, go on dates without them and all these kind of things. Um, we, we even share what we've done on our date and they'll be like, oh, we want to do that. It's like, well, we might, but this was for mom and dad, Mm -hmm. you know, wanting them to see that, Hey, this relationship, you know, the order, the hierarchy, the way God's designed it is important. Doesn't Mm -hmm. mean we don't love you and don't cherish you, 
but you're not the center of this home. Yeah. And that's really important for a kid because when we come out of the womb, what's what's your flesh? You're you're prideful. You're the center of your own universe. Oh, yeah. Right. Um, And it's important to shape humility in your children to say, we love you. You are important, but you're not the center of the universe. Mm-hmm. We're not going to, even with sports, for instance, like my son, he's like, I want to play fall baseball. I said, well, you know, you played, you wanted to play summer basketball. We have certain criteria, like we're not going to, we're not running you everywhere all the time. Yeah. You know, that's your choice you want to make. If you want to play baseball in the spring, we'll talk about that. No problem. Your sister's doing this right now. Mm-hmm. So we're going to wait, you know, like good. just because you want to do it doesn't mean we have to we're do gonna it. We're going to run and do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just things like that. Um, yeah, you're bringing up the idea of boundaries. And it is. That's really what that is. And, it, and of course, they don't always like that. But if you teach through that, mm-hmm. you'll shape in your children the reality that, mm-hmm. hey, life's not just about me. Right, right. You know? And that's good. And it's very healthy. And so when you talked about the order, that just yeah, that's perfect. Uh, popped into mind. And, and that, that thought, life is not about me, is at the heart of what it means to be a Christian. Yeah, life's about the Lord, yeah. glorifying God. Yeah, that's right. Jesus says, if anyone wants to come after me, Luke 9, 23, you must deny yourself. And right? it's also serving, preferring the other. You know, I share it. Mom and dad, aren't, we're not made of money. We have a budget. Right. Can't pay for everything you guys want to do all the time. We want to give you good gifts. Yeah. Right now, your sister waited patiently while you play basketball in the summer. She wants to do this gymnastics thing in the fall. Yeah. So we're going to support her in that now. That's so good. That kind of idea. That's so good. Yeah, I love that. You know, just kind of bullet pointing what you just said. Children have roles in the family. Yeah. You should teach them what those roles are, um, even including them in household chores. Absolutely. You know? My uh, my little girl mm-hmm. Lexi, she loves to. She's a natural helper. She mm-hmm. wants to help. So I was doing some friend strains over the weekend, right? Yeah. Hard labor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And Lexi's out there with a little mini shovel, <laughs> yeah. and she's helping Daddy. And yeah. she's actually she was actually helping me. You know. When you got to dig trenches, it helps when you have a little two foot, you know, tall human being get <laughs> right. down in the trench. And get, I said, "Baby, get that dirt out the trench." She, she said, "This dirt?" I said, "Yep." And she started getting out the trench. Yeah, you're like, it was awesome. Oh, I'll take a break. This is great. great. Yeah, yeah, I actually did. I went and got the rocks and loaded up the wheelbarrow. Yeah, absolutely. But things like that, you know, just just really really basic stuff. It's going to slow you down a little bit, parents, from time to time. But man, talk about investing for the future. Yeah, you know? it pays dividends in their hearts. Oh yeah, it also pays dividends in your life because my children are older than Lexi yeah. now, and they're old enough to do actual chores on yeah. their own. So they they have uh, cleaning up their room. They clean their own bathroom. Mm-hmm. They did dishes last night after dinner. Like it's getting to the place where it's like, ah, oh, this is actually helpful. Right. <laughs> what, now this is just a, an aside, but you know, what about allowance? Paying allowance. That's a great question. I've had that question before. I'm not against that, but here's what we do in our home. You can do it differently. Mm-hmm. We have certain chores we do because it's your responsibility, and we mm-hmm. live here, and you take care of your life. So you're not getting paid to clean up your room. Right. You're not getting paid to do dishes. You're not getting paid for any of that. But I have extra work mm-hmm. that would be helpful to me that if, they're, if they'll take that on, I will pay them for yeah, it. Yeah, that's good. Now, the way I leave that is it's, it's on the list, you can choose to take the job or not, but here's mm-hmm. what's going to happen. You're also not going to get paid. Yeah. And when you say, mm-hmm. I want this thing, and I said, well, that's something you have to save up for and do, and you're not doing any work, well, guess what you don't get? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> the thing yeah. that you say you want. That's great. That's great. Because that's, that's what happens in real life. That's right. <laughs> yeah, know? and you're, you're doing a great job of preparing them for the yeah. real world. And the cool thing is now... Like Juliana, I'm wearing a bracelet she gave me for my uh, birthday. I was wondering what that was. But she's been making these and selling them to ladies at the gym. <laughs> and Little she's, entrepreneur. And, and Marie's been, she has a ledger and all this stuff. Little entrepreneur. Yeah, Hudson's been that. asking Tyler if next summer he can come work at Eagle AC. <laughs> you know, all these things. Like <laughs> Tyler's like, wow. And he's like, yeah, bring it on. You know, That's you can come clean up, the, clean up the office, all this stuff. I love that. So what, is, what it's done is it's showed my children that, hey, God's created us for work and and it's a good thing to do work, and, and there's there's a value to stewardship and, and money. If you have nothing to steward, then then you can't do anything. Yeah, <laughs> right? right. And so it's been it's been good in preparing them in that, those ways. And so that's how we do it. Um, and we, we've taught them how to do a budget and how to think about giving out of that, how to think about saving so and spending. And because um, 
that's you know we're preparing them i'm thinking when you're 18 i don't want you to live here anymore <laughs> right well, and, and, and going <laughs> i back want to you our, to be able to go out and actually make a life yeah going and that's good by you know? the way it's yeah. not good for parents it uh, doesn't mean i don't live at home for the 30, i want them to visit old. i want them to visit all the time yeah i want them to visit yeah right <laughs> i don't want go them out to live and live anymore. life man. Go, go affect the world for the glory yeah, of god for sure and it goes back to the scripture we read at the beginning, you know, train up a child in the way Absolutely. he's younger and he won't depart from it when he's old. <clears throat> but that goes back to this idea of order and everything we're talking about. Mm-hmm. This whole idea of extended adolescence and these parents are just like, oh, my kid, he's just living at home. Like, you created that. Yeah. You set up this structure to where they believe that they don't have to go do anything. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and you're enabling that. And, and now you're stuck. They're 30 years old living in your basement. Like, I don't know how to, well, I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, that's you're kind of reaping the the reward. You reap what you sow. Absolutely, yeah. you reap what you sow. Yeah. Right. You reap what you sow, and so we want to encourage you to not reap or to not sow what the world calls acceptable. Right? Yeah. Your children need to learn responsibility. That's loving to them. It's very loving. So loving to them. It's not loving to have your son or daughter live with you for their entire life. No. It's not loving no. at all. They they don't get. They're not going to get married. They're not going to enjoy all the benefits of marriage. They're likely not going to have children. Yeah. Like, it's just, it does something particularly to men, Also, right? God created work mm-hmm. in the garden before sin. Well, even if, because like some, some parents go, well, hey, if you're working, right, and you're going to school and you're paying the bills around here, you can stay here, right? And it's yeah. like, okay, like once they're done with school, <clears throat> if that's still the case, right. that, come on, we got it. We, they can't be your roommate. Now you we're know? going back to caveats, right? There's nothing wrong with what you just said. Right. But do I have a limit to that? Do I have a, right. is there a goal with this? Like, yeah, if my son's in college, for instance, and living in a dorm, will I let him still have his room there and come home on the weekends if he's working hard? Right. And all? But yes, of course I would. But there's a limit to that, too. Right. Right. College is over. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Um, I prefer that he had his own apartment and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But there's caveats. But ultimately, what are you, what are you working towards? that they would be their, their own man, their own woman with their own family someday. And I think it's appropriate to bring this up, too, since we're still here on uh, family roles. We're going to get to family conflict resolution in just a second. Yeah, yeah. But it's appropriate to acknowledge that there's no um, category for adolescence in the Bible. Yeah. There's no category for adolescence in the Bible. Actually, in the Old Testament, Jewish uh, boys were considered accountable to God um, under the law of God mm-hmm. at age 12. That's a bar mitzvah, yeah. right? Bar, son of, mitzvah, law, right? Yeah. And so they were considered sons of the law at mm-hmm. 12 years old, which is like, you know, in some ways is akin to how the legal system in America today recognizes children as adults at age 18, right? right. You are accountable to the law now, just right. like all other adults are. Exactly. Right? So it's the same, it's a very similar idea, mm-hmm. but it's, it's greater than just law. You're accountable to God, right. right? According to His law. Mm-hmm. So, you know, on this topic of family roles, we need to start investing in our children early as to what their role is in the family. Absolutely. And Chad has provided a great model, uh, not the model, but a great model nonetheless. Yeah, just some principles. Yeah, and they're good principles. You can mix and match the, you know, differently. You don't right. do exactly what we're ta- that I'm talking about. But like, let's just play this model out. Okay, you're in teaching your children, Chad how to take care of the home and not res- expect any reward for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're teaching your children how to provide an income for themselves to then go out and use that money to get something that they want. Right, and how to, how to manage that. And income. how to manage that money, which schools don't even teach that. Yeah, <laughs> which is wild to me. Which is, in, yeah, that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but you, you play those activities and those things out. What you end up with, very likely, is a human being who, when they're old enough, will be able to go live life on their own. Yeah, I think that's... Is that a bad... My, my, my point in bringing that up, is yeah. that is that... Are we going to consider that bad? Or are we going to consider not. that good? Of course. Right? That's, that's, that's awesome. That's a good thing, right. right? If you love your child, that's what you want for them, right? That's right. But, the, but there's two things happening within that. One, you're teaching them why <clears throat> and how to be... Uh, or sorry, you're teaching them why to be responsible right? Teach them to the heart. And you're equipping them with how to live that out. Mm -hmm. So when they become an adult, they know why and how. Mm. Um, 
so often, you know, I do a lot of counseling with <laughs> adult parents who have adult children who are still, that they can't live for themselves. And they'll ask a lot of these questions. And there's an expectation that they just now know how to be an adult, but you've never taught them to be an adult. Right. You just hoped by osmosis and by just the way of the world, they'll just figure it out, right? Right. Well, that doesn't work often, <laughs> right? you know? Um, some people do figure it out despite lack of uh, parenting, um, but there's a lot of people that never figure it out. Well, and it's, it's not, I think what I'm hearing is that adulthood is not a biological, um, it's not a biological mm. reality, right? Age doesn't mean you're an adult. Age does not translate into adulthood in the moral sense, in the just... Even the practical sense. Practical sense, yeah. Like by law, you know, yes, you can, you can be tried as an adult, considered an adult by our law, mm-hmm. but in the other aspects of like knowing how to manage your life, knowing how to be responsible, yeah, like that's a top thing, mm-hmm. you know? There's, there's skills in, involved in that. Absolutely. And so, so going back to the family roles and tying this one up, Fathers, you have a role. Mothers, you have a role. Um, and children have a role. That's right. And so it's our responsibility to uh, shape that in the home. Mm-hmm. Remember, the home is that structure and their lives and the shaping influences going into their lives are really that co- the concrete is being poured into that, That's that, right. that home. That's right. So let's move on then to family conflict resolution, mm-hmm. right? How do the members of the family <laughs> solve problems, right? Does the family know how to talk about its problems? Yeah. Do family members resolve things or do they simply just walk away from one another? Are problems solved by biblical principle or just by sheer exertion of power? Mm-hmm. Do the members of the family use nonverbal signals to, reserve, to resolve conflicts, right? Yeah. These are all things that the book brings out. Mm-hmm. Um, and here's the example the book puts forward. Sammy would get mad and run from the kindergarten class whenever he did not like what was going on. The teacher called his parents in for a conference and Sammy's dad got frustrated with the conference and abruptly left the room. (laughs) The teacher therefore gained a better understanding of why Sammy behaved this way, right? So Sammy's seeing dad, every time he gets an argument with mom, just leave the room, right? Or Sammy's watching mom, every time that he gets, she gets in an argument with dad, clam up and not talk to dad for like Mm -hmm. three days, right? Mm -hmm. Like, those are things that happen on a regular basis in most yeah. homes, right? And we got to practice biblical conflict resolution um, between mom and dad, between parents and children, all the way around, mm-hmm. right? Um, which include talking, like, calmly talking it out, repenting where you've sinned, mm-hmm. you know, repenting by seeing it the way God sees it, confessing it the way he says it, and asking for forgiveness. Yeah. And then forgiving one another. Now... That doesn't mean if, if something's getting heated, you can't take a break and come back. Yeah. But to sweep it under the rug or just to run away from conflict is sinful and setting a terrible example for your children. Absolutely. And so, like, let's talk about some practical things. It's getting heated. We're, get, we're about to start yelling at each other. Oh, yeah. Take a deep breath <laughs> and... If your child's watching this, seeing this, I think it would be extremely appropriate, even more so maybe, to ask mom or mom ask dad, do you mind if we take a break and come back to this in 24 hours or however long, right? And even if the child's not seeing Mm -hmm. this, I still think that would be very appropriate to do that, right? Uh, because the reality is when our passions get aroused... Yeah, don't just do it because they're watching. Right, right. Do it because it's right. Do it because it's right and you love your spouse and you love your children, right? Um, and furthermore, you love God. And so our passions get aroused, you know, our emotions get flared up, the adrenaline starts pumping, we're not thinking clearly. Mm-hmm. We're going to try to just win, right? Yeah. We're going to try to win, right. right? Because again, we are sinners saved by grace, and the flesh really begins to manifest itself yeah. when we are getting in these types of arguments. Yeah, and so what you said is is right, Mike. It's take a step back, take a deep breath, and assess your own heart first. Mm-hmm. Matthew 7, right? That's the principle. Take the log out of your own eye before you take the speck out of your brother's mm-hmm. eye. doesn't say don't take the speck out. Right. But you gotta you got to assess your own heart first. Is there any way that I'm being sinful in this moment? Or there's some things that I'm not understanding or seeing clearly. Remember, Proverbs 18, 13 reminds us that it's a fool who 
gives an answer before he hears. We mm-hmm. have to seek to understand. Mm-hmm. James 1 tells us to be slow to speak, slow to, you know, quick to hear, slow to anger. Yeah. So taking these principles, so you start by assessing yourself. Mm-hmm. And then after you assess your own heart, now you begin to speak and you begin to ask questions. Okay, what, what's making you upset about yeah. this? What's, what are you thinking? What's going on? And you take turns doing that. And your goal is to really see where is our hearts off from the Word of God, mm-hmm. humbly. My goal is not to win the argument. We're, we're one flesh, so we're together trying to discover sin and, and get sin out of our marriage, yeah. not be right or win the argument. Right. And we listen to one another through that. And then we confess where we've sinned to one another. And the principle that that we exercise in our home, I would encourage everyone to, because I think this is a more clear biblical uh, example, is you're not going to be a perfect believer in front of your children, but it's about being genuine. So if I sin against Marie in front of Hudson and Juliana, not only do I work that out with Marie in front of them, and I repent to her in front of them and ask for her forgiveness in front of them, then I turn to the two of them and I ask for their forgiveness for how I treated their mother in front of them. If I get in a heated argument with Hudson and I sin against him in that, before I ever discipline him, I start with, I should not have responded this way, and I, and I repent to my son for those things. Mm-hmm. Right? It's about being a genuine Christian. You're not going to be perfect. But just when you sin in conflict, then you deal with it the way the Bible talks about, yeah. repentance and forgiveness. Yeah. And don't run away from it. Mm-hmm. We can't, as Christians, we don't get to clam up. We don't get to run away. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at Proverbs ten eighteen. He who covers up hatred has lying lips, and he who spreads a bad report is a fool. So clamming it up, mm-hmm. uh, kind of just glossing over it, yeah. acting like nothing's wrong. I mean... The Bible says you're a liar, right? Yeah, Ephesians 4 actually gives us this principle as well. Ephesians 4, verse 25, Therefore put away falsehood. Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor before we, uh, for we are members of one another. That word for speak is actually connotes an action. It's a verb, and it is you speak. And mm-hmm. so the way you translate that is you must speak. So the way you speak is you put away all falsehood. So mm-hmm. we don't lie, we don't exaggerate, we don't uh, speak half-truths, all those ways of, that are false. Mm-hmm. But you truthfully speak um, to your neighbor, and the closest neighbor is your spouse and your children. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, a- another uh, really general scripture for, I mean, really the Christian life, but in particular this context is back in uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. So then, as the elect of God... Holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, mm-hmm. kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Verse 13 says, bearing with one another and graciously forgiving each other. Mm-hmm. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord graciously forgave you, so also you should forgive one another. Yeah. I mean, that's that's it right there. Compassion, humility, kindness, gentleness, and patience. Mm-hmm. You bring those five elements in particular into your marriage into conflict resolution, you're going to produce a compassionate, kind, humble, gentle, and patient environment in the home. That's right. And that's going to shape the life of the child. Absolutely. Right? It's going to see, wow, my dad, although my dad can squat 405 pounds in a back <laughs> squat and he can bench 400 pounds on a bench press, it's like he weighs 100 pounds and can't do any of that when he speaks to my mom because he's kind, he's gentle, right? He doesn't use that, that, that aggression and that, physical force that it takes yeah. to do those kind of things, right? It's like a humble giant, right? And, and mm-hmm. by the which way... Ex- which exudes real strength. Right. You're always a, a giant in the eyes of your children. Right, right. right. But, but my point in bringing that particular example up is like, yeah. I mean, usually what happens for us is we tend to go towards our fleshly, natural strengths to win arguments, right? Yeah, yeah. So if I'm clever, I'm just going to make that person feel stupid. Yeah. Or if I'm really strong, I'm going to overpower them, mm-hmm. right? Or whatever the case may be. But no, the, the word of God speaks directly against that. Yeah. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, yeah. kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, and forgive one another. Yeah, your desire, if your desire is to glorify God, then all you really care about is the truth being discovered. Mm-hmm. And whoever's wrong, and a lot of times both of you are wrong, mm-hmm. 
you, okay, then that's the grace of the gospel is we repent and we're forgiven and we move on. We reckon, yeah. we grow from it. Who we cares? grow, yeah. yeah. We, we, we have an upward trajectory here yeah. towards Christ. And that's what First John 1, 9 talks about, verse 7. If you walk in the light as he is in light, you have fellowship with one another. Yeah. And the blood of Jesus has cleansed you from your, from your sin. So that's good. We, we definitely want to focus on conflict resolution because just the unfortunate reality is because of the effects of the curse, uh-huh. there's going to be fighting in the, in the marriage relationship. Yeah, we all have pride. We all want to be our own gods, and sometimes we pretend like we are God. Yeah. So the next one is how the family responds to failure, how the family responds to failure, in particular with the child, right? This one's pretty straightforward, right? Yeah. Uh, do you make your child feel foolish, right, when they mess up? Which they mess up all the time. <laughs> yeah. They don't know what they're doing, yeah. right? Are they mocked for their failures? Are they laughed at, right? Are they put mm. down? I mean, just think about it. Would you like the way that if someone were to treat you the way that you treat your child when they screw yeah. up, would you like it, right? I'll say one thing, and hopefully this gets your attention. If you do that with any of your children, you are a insecure, weak person. Mm. That's the only reason why you would do it, because you're embarrassed. Mm-hmm. It reflects on you. It's all. It's the only reason why you do that. You don't mm-hmm. care about them. Right. You care about your own reputation. Mm-hmm. And that's going to shape the child, mm-hmm. how they respond to failure um, in their own life. Right? Yeah. They're going to start to to believe that about themselves. Mm-hmm. Like my dad laughs at me when I screw up. Right. My mom says I'm an idiot when I give the wrong answer. Yeah. I'm an idiot. I'm a screw up. Right. Right. And they're going to embody that. Right. I mean, that's that's an attitude ripe for sin to come in and manifest itself and make a home in the heart. Right. Yeah. Drug, drug addiction, alcohol addiction, Absolutely. sexual addiction, I mean, you name it, addiction's coming. That's just right? With someone a, that feels like that. That constructed identity, you're going to fill it full of shame and worthlessness. Mm-hmm. And they're going to look for ways to mask it. Right. Or like on the other side, on the side that the world would deem more successful looking, you might become a workaholic, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to be addicted to something to make up for what you perceive <laughs> as, a, right. as a lack of value and dignity. That's right. Right? So we really need to focus on how do we handle failure? Do we encourage, right? Do we say good effort, right? Mm-hmm. Are, we, are we, when someone does fail, are we still encouraging Right. Yeah. In the in the proper way. Right. Sure. Like we don't want. Hey, we don't want to get into the mode where everyone's a winner. Everyone no, gets a trophy. It is right? okay to say that was wrong, and here's why. But that that's okay. We're gonna learn. Yeah. We're gonna get better. The point of the, you don't know. Yeah. I say this to my son all the time. Hey, buddy, you don't know because you're ten, <laughs> and you don't know. And my job is to help you know. Yeah. And sometimes I'm dealing with the opposite side. Like he's way overly confident in what he thinks he knows. <laughs> I have to help him see you actually don't know what yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. But I'm here to help you learn. And that's a different case. You're hel- you're dealing with pride there yeah. versus just, you know, a lack of knowledge or understanding. And when he does fail, cuz they all do, mm-hmm. you know, the opposite side is, "Hey, it's okay. What'd you learn? Mm-hmm. Here's all I care about." I say this to my children all the time, I say especially to Hudson. Like with sports or whatever. You know, he has a bad game and he's all down. I'm like, here's all I care about. Did you try your best? Did you work hard? And, and are you going to learn from this? Because mm-hmm. that's what life's about. Like, okay, yeah, you did take some terrible shots and you missed a bunch of them. Okay, so what do we learn from that? Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about your form. Let's talk about what can we do. Let's practice in the driveway. Let's, let's go, hey, let, I'll help mm-hmm. you. Let's do that. Mm-hmm. Like, when you fail, get better. That's okay. Because right. all I care about is his character and preparing him for life. When you fail, get better. Yeah. You know, and that's been some really fruitful times, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, with him. And we've certainly butted heads on those. And, and those are fruitful times of discipline for him, yeah. you know, and those things <laughs> sure. too. But I mean, just imagine if your heavenly father mock you every time you yeah. screwed up. I mean, God is constantly dealing with our failure. Right. You know what I mean? And yet, what does he do? He gives more grace, right? He gives grace to the humble, yeah. but he's opposed to the proud. And that's what we have to bring into this, yeah. this, this concept here is like, are you being a grace-filled sure. parent, right? And I certainly lose my patience, and I certainly sin against him many right. times, and I exercise what I said earlier. I repent to him. Yeah. But it's so, there's so much joy. I'm thinking about just some recent examples with him. When it clicks and when he starts to learn from it and actually put into practice what God's Word says or whatever, and he's seeing it, and the, the humble confidence that starts to grow, and seeing him light up and 
Like we're now we're like on the same page. It's, there's so much joy in that, mm-hmm. but that that comes with a lot of effort and discipline and instruction, and mm-hmm. that doesn't happen easily with any kid. Yeah, you know. And so just encourage parents like, hey, sometimes you're going to have to say the same. You have to patiently work through the same things multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's our role, but it's it's so worth it. The fruit of that yeah. is so worth it. Well, that's good. We're going to do a part two on this, but yeah. let's get to the last influence here, which is family history, right? And this is a quick one. Family members, uh, they all have their own history that they bring into mm-hmm. the family, right? There's marriages, there's divorces, there's social stability or instability, there's not enough money, there's all an excess of money, there's good health, there's bad health, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And, and this does shape... Um, it does shape the shaping influences, if you will, yeah, of, yeah. A, of a child's life, right? And the example that the book brings up is this woman that he, this uh, Mr. Mr. Ted Tripp was counseling, and he asked he asked her a series of questions um, just to sort through the events of her childhood. The first question was, "How many times did you move during your childhood?" And she mm. said, "A lot." And he said, five or ten." And she said, "Oh no, more than that." He said, "Not more than 20." Here, she stopped for a few minutes, thinking and calculating, and then she said, "Maybe more than 20." And she later told Ted that she and her sister had counted 46 times that they had moved before they're 18. Wow. Now, this profoundly shaped this woman's values and perspectives, yeah, right? Yeah, I mean, there's probably some commitment issues there. Absolutely. Definitely could be a sense of distance in the home between the, the mother and the father. It would certainly be hard to develop community. For sure. You know? Because you're always moving. You're just, well, why, why make, like, deep friendships? Because mm-hmm. we're going to be gone, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so that's another thing to take into account is the family history. And when we say take into account, we mean parents, just acknowledge these things, yeah. right? Talk it through with your spouse, right? If the spouse is in the home. Yeah. But you have the structure of the family life, the family values, the family roles, how the family responds to failure, the family's history, yeah. and how the family handles conflict. Absolutely. And, and the thing I'll say on that last point is just remember... It's important to acknowledge the past because it it has influenced where you are now. Yeah. But it doesn't define who you become. That's right. The gospel does. And that's where I was talking about that constructed identity versus a given identity. The goal is to acknowledge all the things that have been constructed in mm-hmm. your life, good, bad, and indifferent, and then begin to sift through each one of those things and say, okay, what does the Bible say about this? What does the gospel say to this? Mm-hmm. Is this something that is true? Is this something that is false you know and and so just because you acknowledge something like that example that doesn't mean that it has to stay that way mm. that it doesn't mean you're defined by your past it's determinative like well i'll never be able to develop deep relationships right no it's just okay now i see why i struggle with that now i can actually begin to work on that and start developing deeper relationships and change yes. biblically that's yes. all it means yeah that's good so we'll we'll end today's podcast with just making mention of the mistake in understanding how these shaping influences um, work and, and what they'll ultimately produce. And then our next podcast that we'll do is we'll go back and do those caveats, right? Yeah, we'll yeah. walk through all these again. What if you got the single parent situation? So right? stay tuned, come back. Stay tuned, come back, <laughs> right? Don't go anywhere else. Stay right here. <laughs> but the, the primary mistake here um, in understanding the shaping influences. What, what the book calls Christian determinism, right? Mm-hmm. And Chad, you alluded to it earlier when you were talking about the Proverbs. Yeah. Um, and, and we've talked about it in the first podcast uh, episode that we did on uh, the theology of parenting. But, but many Christian parents adopt this attitude of Christian determinism, right? They figure that if they can just protect, shelter, provide, be positive enough, right? If they can do all of these things, then, then it's going to you know, produce this a pristine Christian child, right? Mm-hmm. Not the case, right? Not the case at all. And so what we want to do is just remind you of some of those general principles. Number one, um, God is sovereign in salvation, right? We need to plant the seed. We need to water the seed. We need to cultivate the field, but ultimately it's God that gives the growth, right? Yeah. Number two, um, your, your children are expected to obey the words that are coming out of your mouth, right? Back in Colossians, Chapter um, 3, verse 20, it says, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is pleasing to the Lord. That word obey um, literally means under hearing, 
It means to obey what is heard, right? So they are underneath your roof. They are underneath your authority. And when you speak, they are expected to obey that. They won't always obey that, however, <laughs> right? Right? Yeah, more than not, they probably Right, will. And that gets to the heart of why we can't fall into the trap of Christian determinism. Because yeah. you're dealing with a sinner. It's two sinners speaking to one another, yeah. right? One might be saved by grace. The other one might not be, right? Yeah, yeah. But the reality is, is we're dealing with sin, and sin is combative, it's selfish, it's prideful, it's arrogant, it wants what it wants, it's irritable, it does not want to be told no, right? That's yeah. not what it wants to hear. So you're going to have to deal with that as you focus on sh- the shaping influences that you're providing within the structure of the home life. And ultimately, it's going to be your child's heart that determines how they will respond to your parenting, right? Mm-hmm. So we're talking about shepherding the heart of a child. We're essentially talking about biblical counseling, right? Yeah, yeah. Counseling your child with using the word of God um, <clears throat> with the promises of God. And he's going to evaluate you, this is the fourth general principle, based on your faithfulness to execute the word of God in your home, mm-hmm. right? He's not going to evaluate you based on the results. He's going to evaluate you based on your effort, your faithfulness, right? And so we want to remind you of that and we want to warn you, don't fall into the trap of Christian determinism, Mm -hmm. right? Be faithful, trust God. That's it. All right, well, we thank you all for listening to another episode of the Nehemiah Project podcast and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Nehemiah Project podcast. For more resources about addiction recovery, suicide prevention, and overcoming other life-controlling issues, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram and visit our website, tnproject.org. If you or someone you love is struggling, don't hesitate to reach out to us by calling 985-205-3022.